storms on the forecasts of upcoming in the week here in the great state of Oklahoma. But this is through the keyhole, your Sunday edition this week, joined alongside always by Peyton Guthrie. No Matt Burton, final Thunder home game. All right, I got all those fragments out. Now we can have this podcast. Peyton, how was our week? It's doing pretty good, man. How about, I mean, we're just kind of killing it over here. Southeast Oklahoma is a little bit, a little bit different on the wind front. Um, I had Brady down. He spent the the weekend with me hanging out and he was just kind of talking like, man, it's wild. There's just no wind down here, yeah. <laughs> you know, but this entire week we've had 20 mile hour winds the entire time. So I was like, I don't know how, how windy is it in the center of the state when he's just like 20 mile hour winds. That's nothing, you know? Uh, but yeah, I've been doing pretty good. Been trying to get, uh, you know, the weather's warming up. It's feeling, it's feeling pretty good. Been, uh, jumping back on my bike recently, been hitting some 20 mile rides after work. Um, trying to get at it, trying to get lean and mean. Hopefully, uh, Brent will see me at the spring game and, want to bring me on to the strength and conditioning or something like that. would be pretty fun. But uh, other than that, man, now we're doing pretty good down here at Southeastern Oklahoma. How about you, man? How are things going on well, was, in your neck well, of the woods? Say first, I was going to say, I mean, if TD roof is going to get ample playing time this year, maybe Peyton Guthrie can too. It's big. I can't oh, yeah. complain, Peyton. I can't complain. You got baseball opening day. We won't be talking. I won't be mentioning it at all throughout this podcast, um, but that's been fantastic. Y'all obviously have the masters. I, I do watch a little bit of major golf. No, those are two things not necessarily up your alley, but I can't complain, man. It's, I don't know where this week stands, like in terms of sports every year in the calendar, mm-hmm. but it's, I, I think we, everybody talks about it this time of the year too. It's as good as it gets. I mean, every year, usually Sunday night, you have opening day, um, Monday night, national championship basketball, and then masters week. Uh, because baseball decided to have arguments for 90-something days, Peyton, that got pushed back a little bit. But this week's as good as it gets. I don't know where it would fall necessarily on your calendar, but on mine, it is obviously number one. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, golf isn't the biggest thing, but obviously there's just such a massive story with Tiger Woods coming back. I mean, he went from being where I just assumed he wasn't going to walk. I mean, he wasn't going to have, like, a, a, a good gate enough just to walk around, you know I mean? It was going to be di- difficult for him. And then to him to, um, I mean, he didn't end up well, obviously, but him to make the cut and to keep playing um, is, is just phenomenal. I mean, it, that, that stuff is, I mean, when you have the, the resources and you just have that athletic ability, you, you can pull through some stuff. I mean, it, it's kind of like that heartwarming story of Alex Smith. I mean, being able to come back from that leg, being just completely rebuilt the way that it was, uh, to, to take meaningful snaps. I mean, it's just wild to see that. And um, I actually ran into a friend who was at day one of the Masters, and he said it was just madness, just absolute madness, the amount of people that were there to see Tiger. Um, you know, and th- that that that's kind of becoming – probably a sports bucket list. I mean, not a golf guy, but it would be, it's kind of a, a bucket list thing to like, you know, I, I want to go to masters. I'm going to see what that looks like. Um, but my friend was telling me there's guys at the restrooms and not there's guys at the restrooms. And some listeners who are listening to this contact me, contact me at like Woody on Twitter. And let me know if my friends, uh, a lying piece of shit. 
Uh, <laughs> he says, there's guys who stand outside the restroom. And when you leave, their jobs to go in and wipe that thing down. So you never sit down on a dirty toilet, period. And it's the like, master- that is wild. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that doesn't surprise me at all. I do think it's funny that they people I hope I were not a. Uh, what's the word for it? I hope I'm not bursting your bubble on this for the first time, but the bird chirping is, is audioed in. It's not real. Um, that you hear on TV. You don't oh. know that the birds. No, chirping. I no idea. I heard that. I saw somebody on Twitter saying about that today. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, it's, it's piped in. There we go. Um, yeah. yeah big spoiler alert. for the uh, birds aren't real. There you go. That's also a good point. We definitely could talk about that as well. They also paint, I guess, everything in green. Like, even if, like, there's, like, a dead spot of grass or, like, whatever, which is, I, I would imagine a lot of people do. I mean, it's a master, so, like, it is so funny that the, it's not it's not commercialized at all. You don't see big advertisement signs everywhere. Like, it's it's sacred, I guess. It's one of those, like, unwritten rule, rules golf courses out there. Um, so, no, it's fun. I love it. I'm glad people got to enjoy it this week. Um, it was a slow news week. Um, for Oklahoma, but uh, before we dive into the rest of the podcast, if you guys are listening to this, we'd love for you guys to go subscribe, review, rate, do all the fun stuff on any uh, where you're getting your podcast at on your podcasting platform. Um, a good video on Theo Weiss from 2020, um, what you can expect for him in 2022 uh, is up on the Patreon. That's patreon.com slash through the keyhole. Get access to all the tape that we watch in the offseason, all the tape that we do in season. Um, sometimes, and you can get all that and you can get all that at patreon.com slash through the keyhole. Peyton, there were, there was some news last week. I want to touch on one out of the gate here, um, because a friend of all of ours has decided to step away. Mr. Bob Bowlesby got his ass handed to him by Joe Castiglione and he decided that was enough. He is retiring after the end of the year, and I will. Uh, I'll, I'll leave the. I'll leave the floor to you to uh, comment on that as you see fit. Well, I mean, he, he was he was truly put in a, in a really rough position, in my opinion, because I think the first round of expansion, because uh, he came in at 2012, correct? He came in after everything kind of fell apart, uh, if my memory serves me correct. Um, so, like, he, he was sitting there holding kind of a dead duck conference, and, you know, they kept going, okay, let's figure out something. What can we do? Um, you know, can we think about bringing people in and stuff? And it seems maybe some of the, quote, unquote, tinfoil hat small schools may have been right. Maybe they, when they tried these expansion stuff in the past, um, Texas and OU just kind of said, nah, we, we're not really feeling it. You know, <laughs> and. And if that's true, I mean, that, you know, that sucks for the other guys, but, you know, OU and Texas always had their best interest in there and there's very little they could do, but I mean, the grant of rights stuff that was going on, the TV deals kept falling apart. I mean, not being able to get a, a not being forward thinking enough to try to get the big 12 network uh, thing figured out sooner. I mean, you could have eased, could you tell me when's the first uh, college sports network is the big 10 network? What is that? Let's 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 Google. That's a good question. I would think it was the SEC network. I think it was the first linear network. So the Big Ten network started in 2006, according to the Google um, an SEC network. Let's find it. So some of the stuff isn't his um, isn't his doing. Uh, 
SEC Network founded in 2014. So Big Ten was way ahead of this stuff. Uh, but it, it's kind of hard to blame it on him because can you do you think you 2006 Big 12? You could pull a network with that, right? Texas at the top, Oklahoma at the top. You've got Nebraska. You've got AM. You've got Missouri. You've got um, Kansas about to win an Orange Bowl. I mean, surely that has enough of a pool to be able to pull something together. But just no one in the – obviously, this isn't Bowlesby, but this Big 12 just historically just does not think that way long-term enough to where I don't think any any commissioner could have, could have saved the Big 12 in any way, shape, or form. And then he just kind of – has to say all this stupid shit because all the schools hate each other. It's it's a different. He had a he had a very thinkless and loveless job, in my opinion. I mean, I, I'm assuming you may have talked to him at some point in time in your career, or like done like an interview with him or something. I mean, I have interviewed him three times. Yes. What does he seem like? Does he? Did, I'm assuming he's a smart dude. He got to these positions and place places, but he just missed it. It seems. So Bob Bowlesby has zero emotion when he talks. He's one of those guys that talks like this. Every answer is responded in this way. And it's very thorough, uh, thought out. Like, and he, you can tell, like, he's very intellectual. Like he, you know, he thinks about what he says before he says it. But I will say, I mean, last summer was a pretty bad. I mean, if you want to point to anything, the comments he made about, you know, expansion's basically not on our radar. We're not worried about losing our teams. Expansion, you know, teams leaving. We're not worried. The contract is the contract. Um, but he was always hard to, like, interview from an aspect of it was just all boring. And he never really hardly ever said anything. Now, after everything went down, Peyton, he started to talk a little bit more and open up a little bit more. And I'm sure he'd use that to get some people on the, him and the big 12 side, which it's smart PR. But at the same time, like, like you said, he was kind of handed a, a weird deal. Um, he clearly, I think it's important to note that Bob Bullsby reported, you know, he, he's reporting to the school presidents and the, and the athletic directors, like, no, he's got a job to do, but he's basically listening to them and what they want and then makes decisions. Um, so these commissioners, besides uh, Kevin Warren, I think he rightfully gets some hate. But for the most part, the commissioners, you know, are supposed to have foresight and look ahead um, and provide that aspect to their the people they they're representing. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think that part he filled in quite a bit. But if I remember correctly, and obviously, you know, just credits from Red Dirt Sport here, crediting other people you see on social media that talk about, you know, conference realignment and stuff like that. I mean, it does sound like, you know, there there was some momentum towards a network deal. The Longhorn Network back in 2011 basically nipped all that in the butt then. Then it started back up in 2016, and Texas would have had to give it up the Longhorn Network, which yeah. wasn't going to happen. Um, and... I think the Oklahoma was willing to expand at the time I thought was interesting. Um, but at the same time, like we'll see what ends up happening. And if you hear some dogs, a little bit of barking in the background, I apologize. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that whenever you look at what Bob Bowlesby's job was, um, did he do it at a really good level? No. Um, I don't, I think the ESPN plus thing is great um, for the, you know, schools that, don't necessarily have the coverage, 
And but blanketing, putting ESPN, you know, things on ESPN plus like immediately you get games like last year between Kansas State and Oklahoma State um, that should be on a on TV. It should be broadcasted. You should be able to watch it. And I think if I have any criticism of Bob Bowlesby was that one, I don't think I don't think he brought the best out of the Big 12. And I think that's also part of your role as a commissioner is to maximize the resources that your schools have. I don't think he did a good job of that. I think he did a good job. I think I don't think he did a good job of communicating. Um, and, you know, the last part, he very clearly um, didn't develop his deep relationships with these commissioners or with these athletic directors and school presidents as he thought. I mean, it's very clear. I mean, you know, you Texas, you know, they bolt for the SEC. They have their move. And, and while Bob Bullsby is trying to keep the Big 12 intact and expand – and be able to keep the Big 12 alive with the TV networks, he's got four, five, six schools paid and that are looking to get out. Like, you know, like it's like Kansas, Oklahoma State, West Virginia. I mean, you could throw those three right now in Texas Tech, for sure Texas Tech. You know, those four schools were, after OU and Texas left, Peyton, they were looking to get out too. They were trying to find a way to the ACC. They were trying to find a way to the Big Ten. Iowa State, Jamie Pollard's like the final remaining voice that – has any strength in the big 12 and he's trying to get Iowa state away from the big 12. Like I said, I mean, I just, I think as a commissioner, you've got to build really good relationships. You got to have foresight. He failed in that. I think it's just funny. I didn't mean that this would be like a stopping on Bob Bowlesby's grave by any means. I know there will probably be another podcast out there this week that does it. Um, but I do think it's funny. I think it's funny that he's retiring and stepping away right when the conference is going to expand. And Peyton, like, you also can't rule out two, three years from now once the playoff alignment is officially, you know, done. If other conferences change their minds and they do want to expand at that point, <laughs> Bob Bullsby's left them with another dying conference. Like, he didn't make the conference in a better position than when he got it. So, there's my final thoughts on Mr. Bullsby, which, again, just – he's like a robot. <laughs> He can't, he has no emotion when he talks. It's the most, like, it's so hard to sit through his monologue every year. Big 12 media days. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens, who they get, you know I mean? Or are they going to go back to the well? I mean, are we getting like, was it Oliver Luck or whatever? <laughs> every time something like this happens, his name gets brought up, you know, former XFL commissioner. You can't, I mean, you gotta have, I mean, that's, that's some pro experience uh, behind Oliver there. If, we, if, if the big 12 brings him in. I mean, but just look at the landscape of these conferences. I mean, I think the SEC's um, was it Sankey? I think he's the only one who's been left. Oh, that you know, that's that long tenured. I mean, everyone else has come and gone. Things have been beating them up. Um, and to me, this makes even more sense why OU and, and Texas should feel good about going to the SEC. I mean, it's a place of stability. It's a place of there's me increased funding, increased access to recruits, um, and just for fans. I mean, I, I know I'm excited to hopefully be able to scrounge together some, you know, tickets and stuff and go to Oxford and, you know, go to Alabama and stuff. It just seems like it's, uh, it seems like, OU made it. OU switched horses mid race and, and jumped on the right horse. And I don't think there's going to be a single regret at the end of the day when it comes to that kind of stuff. No. Yeah. I don't think there, I don't think there's even a regret right now. Um, but in the same kind of conversation, Brent Venables had a nice long spirited, Deep message for Oklahoma fans last week. I thought it was, I, I'm going to speak, I'm going to throw it to you on this. Mm -hmm. to, 
whenever coaches make those kinds of things, and this isn't me playing devil's advocate or playing the opposite side just for a reason. Usually when coaches make those like long six minute, seven minute announcements or send a message or do whatever, usually that means like something's not happening behind the scenes that they want it to happen. Right. Or whatever it may be like that, at least from our perspective, that was the first thing that comes to my mind. Um, I kind of have that. Like, do you, do you think there's a worry that OU is not going to fill up for the spring game? Is that, I mean, am I, am I going to tinfoil hat? Like it, it I was, would be it was weird. It was unexpected, I guess is the better way to put it. I would be 100% surprised if OU did fill up the stadium. <laughs> I mean, sure. uh, yeah, I, I think this is probably the only year in which it could happen, in which we could see eighty thousand people there. I mean, obviously, if everything happened with the coaching changes, Baker's uh, you know statue being unveiled, it's all kind of a perfect storm to get to break a record and have as many people there as possible. But I mean, spring game has never been that highly attended. I mean, I've gone to multiple spring games, and you just kind of walk around, sit wherever you want. There's plenty of room. You know, it's it's not that big of a deal. Um, even when Lincoln Riley was trying to make it a big deal, it never really felt like it was that big of a deal. You know, it's, it was much more of just like a recruiting event. And then you can tell Brent wants it to be more of a fan experience event, which is, which is different. I mean, you know, under Riley, they had the concerts and they had all the, you know, different stuff kind of going on, trying to make things more interesting. Uh, and OU's for whatever reason, OU's not doing it this year. Maybe the people who's in charge of putting that stuff together are no longer with the program. Uh, it just seems like it's going to be a pure, simple, uh, true football game. If I have it right, that I think they said they're going to uh, draft players and, and hold an actual red versus white uh, scrimmage. Uh, so that will be pretty interesting to see how that kind of falls out. But I, I, the thing that I worry about the most is, and I was talking to some friends about this. Does it feel a little bit manic? You know, does it feel like it's a little bit like, like you said, maybe there's something going on. Like ROU fans, and that, once everything starts moving in one direction over the other, more you know, more than one uh, the other side, it makes me think that like, are we just Wiley Coyote and we've already ran off the cliff and we just haven't realized <laughs> it yet? You know, like that, that that's that's the thing that's kind of keeps going through my head. They have like, you so bought in that it just you do, yeah yeah like as long as we don't look down, we should be okay. <laughs> <laughs> but if we look down, we might not like what we what we see down there. Um, and, and that might be something where Brent's trying to will this into existence. Like w- what I'm doing with my own life right now is I'm trying to become very much more uh, simple minded, I guess. Like Perfect. trying to put a lot of positive manifestation and be like, this is going to happen today. Today, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this today. Then, you know, when I wake up in the morning, whatever happened yesterday does not matter. It's today. You know, and you keep doing, you keep trying to live that way as best you can with your long-term goals and results you'd like to see. Uh, and you can see Brent, I think he's, I think he sees a wounded, a wounded program and he's just trying to will them day by day, like get them to the finish line of saying, we're going to get here. We're going to do this. Um, but the thing that that really spru- really struck out to me on his uh, his eighth um, the press conference he had on uh, April eighth is that he starts off very very early in, in his answer. Hey, is something like, "Hey, I love this. This is a result. This is a result oriented business." And he had not been using that language. 
He had been using a lot of this is a relationship. We're building things up. This is all about the process. This is this, this and this. And he like within the first 30 seconds, he's going on about this is about results. We have to get the results we want. This is about results. You want to see people and see if they've got results. And I was like, he's he's I think maybe there may be something that's happening. Not like, oh, no, we're going to have enough fans in the stadium, but more like. Hey, some of these players who thought they're going to walk in here and play, they might not be walking in here and playing. If if that kind of makes sense, it, it seems like there was there was a coded message to some of the players if they watch this thing about you need to put up or shut up pretty early because we're rocking and rolling. So I, this is what I do. Hey, I would notice this stuff early on if I was still covering the team and on the beat every single day. A um, couple things. One, he wears the whistle to. Uh, to the to the podium for his press conferences. Yeah. Big coach. Um, yeah, big coach vibes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then two, I thought what was so interesting when you go go to his um, comments, like he mentions, you know, things. You know, if you're a Sooner fan, you're a Sooner fan. We're getting ready to go to the SEC in a couple of years, and then basically makes comments along the lines of, "I don't care when the ball's kicked off. If it's at 11 a.m., show up here, tailgate. Uh, if." Uh, we're wearing alternate uniforms, which I thought was so funny. Did you watch that clip when he tries to mention alter, alter, alternative uniforms? <laughs> no, I did not. No. He kept trying to think of the word. He's like, what's the name of those jerseys? He didn't even know their name, Rough Rider uniforms yet. Um, he's like, what's the name of those jerseys? Like, just didn't really care about it. He's like, and show up. And, you know, I think it's it was so passionate and it felt so directed at this fan base. And I honestly, I wanted to, if I was in there, part of me wanted would have wanted to ask a sarcastic question to him. It's like, have you not been on a social media for the last five months? This fan base is going to show up. Yeah. They're be ready for a fight. And, and if the well, fan we base... We are one Texas A&M fan from spouting off from someone getting in, a, in some trouble here. And if, if OU fans don't show up, and, it, you know, we, we, we get a couple thousand downloads uh, per... per, per uh, per week here on the public pod. If you guys don't, if you guys have the ability to show up and don't show up and you've been talking a bunch of mess on online, you're just a fake tough guy. You're just soft. Sure. That's not, I mean, it, it, this is the first time. OU fans get a chance to put up or shut up and um, you better be putting up. I'll be there. I mean, I want to spend my $5 or whatever it is. I can't believe it. such a poverty program have to charge for a spring game, uh, <laughs> but we're going to, I'm going to be there and you know, hopefully you get to see stuff. Baker's going to be there. Uh, I think Brady and I are going to be walking around. Um, Keegan's going to be up there more than likely. I know Matt's probably going to be there doing some stuff. Um, just having fun. Just, uh, But yeah, if, if you've been talking a bunch of mess to a lot of people online and, and the call's been set out and you don't show up, I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so last thing on this. There's some, I'm just rereading some of these quotes from, some of the, from his long message he made. Uh, I thought, again, this was very, very interesting. That's what being committed. Uh, sorry, real quick. Everybody expects me to bring my A game every day. Okay. I like that. I like the expectations. I embrace that. I, I expect our players to do the same. He, meant, he says, okay, like five times during this. But as we try to build this program with the tra- transition from where we are today, because we're in the Big 12 in a few years, we're in the SEC, everything that we do matters as we build this foundation, the fan support, the fan engagement, the administration. Again, these coaches, these players, everybody's expected to do their best at everything they do. 
That's what being committed looks like. It's not when it's convenient and when it's easy. It's when it's hard and when things aren't going well, show up anyway. Um, it's not going to be, oh, yeah, we want the tailgate all day. Well, sorry, we played 11. Okay, show up. That's not expecting too much. I want to focus on the administration part of what he said because I think it's it's vital because we've heard everybody's love affair with that turnip seed, which I think is rightfully deserved um, considering what he's potentially bringing to Oklahoma. But we do know the last coach – had some issues with this administration. And again, I just, I love, I love Brent's being genuine and kind of just putting everything that's on his mind out there in the media. I think long-term, like that's the right way to do it. He'll be reserved. Um, but if anybody that watched Clemson press conferences that Brent Venables was a part of before his first press conference as an Oklahoma head coach, you would have noticed that after bad practices, it wasn't a fun interview. Like he was straight to the point. We're not good enough. Um, Player X isn't doing this good enough, calling them out in front of everybody. Um, I think that speaks to the program accountability that Brent Venables is wanting. But I, to the point of what I'm making, like he's being super genuine right now, very open and honest. I just thought that comment, like including the administration during that whole speech, was considering what we knew about the last coach and some of the problems he had with, you know, donations, renovations getting done, facilities being behind, NIL, um, diet, you know, food, diets, the nutrition side of things. I just thought it was very interesting. That's the last thing I want to talk about. Like, I just think, I don't know if I ever would have believed if Lincoln Riley would have called Joe Casiglione out in a press conference. And I'm just imagining Joe C telling Thad Turnipseed no on something. And then Brent just eviscerating him in a press conference like six months from now. I kind of want it to happen because that's the chaos that's needed for us. Um, yeah. But I, I just thought it was him, including the administration. I don't know if Bob would have done that. I don't know if Lincoln would have done that. I don't know if there's another coach in America, um, maybe besides Harbaugh, that would have would have included his administration in a long speech about that. Um, and I just think it's important to know. No, I mean, you're right. I mean, Brent seems to really want this to work. <laughs> I mean, it's just, just at the end of the day. And if not, if everyone's not pulling the exact same way you're supposed to be pulling, not doing the exact same thing that you believe should be happening, then guess what? It's not going to work. And he understands that he's coming from Clemson, which one did not make the amount of money these other schools did, did not recruit to the level these other schools did for the most part, uh, you, you know, did not have just, 10 to 15 five-star defensive linemen, like some people on Twitter seem to think, when they're winning national championships. I mean, you have to, everyone has to be moving the same direction. It takes one person to be rowing their oar on an off tempo to mess up the championship race, man. That's all it takes. And now I'm kind of getting to a little coach talk stuff, but I mean, it, it, it truly is there. I mean, you, everyone has to know, they have to listen, they have to hear the cadence, they have to know when to do it. Um, and I think that's what Brent is. I won't say struggling, but you can tell that's what Brent's trying to implement in, from top to bottom. I mean, he's talking about scout players. I mean, you know, your practice squad players all the way up to administration. Everyone has to be walking the same steps, the same tempo, same pace. So I think he's going to get his way, but it's going to be some growing pains for OU to do that. I mean, and OU's walking into SEC where, you know, they'll be playing multiple teams with talent, you know, talent levels just 5% less than theirs instead of 45%. So you things have to change. I mean, oh, you can't nap through seasons the way they have sometimes. 
Oh, I completely agree. Here's the last thing we're going to talk about in regards to this. Have you seen the Clemson fans on Twitter? Which we all knew because Oklahoma played them in the past that they're crazy and that they have. Oh, yes. Stealing all the uh, Brent stealing all the catchphrases and stuff. Yeah. I thought I think that's I think that's hilarious. What are you going to do? Especially like knowing that I know Oklahoma's history just a little bit in terms of football. Like. I think OU fans had a right to be upset about the we too deep thing that Brent took from Oklahoma all the way to Clemson. And that became Mm -hmm. a branding thing for them. Um, But I just think it's so funny. It's like, yes, Brent Venables was like a second head coach for you for a decade. Of course, some things he said at Clemson are going to be said at Oklahoma like that. I, I understand that that's not to be expected in the world that we live in, that it's, it's this weird college football utopia that we all want our programs to have their own things and nobody else can have what we have and blah, blah, blah. I just think it's funny. I'm right. I'm waiting until he says something post game, like after UTEP or Kent state, that is like exactly what Dabo says. Um, I want to give some credit to a, a friend of ours on this because this phrase is perfect. Um, Keith and Faber, who, Oh Yeah. People that may hear the name, it's like, oh, I'm, who I'm going to look up on social media. You may have them blocked. There was a joke about a year ago. I'll mention that here. About a year and a half, about 18, 19 months ago, um, some jokes going on. I had jokingly had said something, got him blocked by a bunch of people. Regardless, he mentioned, Peyton, that this is the Clemson and cream culture now. That is perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, 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 it's going to be strange. Um, it's going to be strange just the idea of walking through that stuff. I mean, we're, we're heading from a Bob Stoops who was just pure football guy, pure co- coach, coach. That's all he did, coach, coach, and talk barely. And Riley, who was, and you know, smooth dude, smooth talker. And now you've got this. Now you've got Brent, who is like, he's he's into these like modes of thinking, these processes of behavior, and you know, it, it's you can look into his head and you go, man, I bet he. He must have read that chop carry, uh, chop wood carry water book. You know, it's like it's just this thing like every day, bam, 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 bam. And s- certain people can live that way and be that way and like uh, exist that way. Um, but it's just not something that OU fans have seen, obviously, very often. Um, and it's just going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. I mean, I, I, I don't know if I have like a big, you know, big thought process on it on either side. It's just going to be different. It's going to, OU is going to be corny. I think I've said that a couple of times. It's <laughs> just going to be a corny place for a little while. That speaks to the fan base, though. I mean, because you have to remember that the majority of this fan base is a lot older than us and thinks a lot differently uh, than we do. But on that note, let's flip it over to some real serious stuff that happened last week. Um, there was two names that came out. Um, there's two names that kind of came out of practice last week. One a lot of people would expect Woody Washington's having a solid um, he's been per Venables has been one of the most consistent guys on all three levels. I like our skill in the secondary. We are still learning communication and alignments. I love the attitude of the group the, they are hungry and driven. Don't think there's, it shouldn't be any surprise on Woody Washington. He's one of the most mm-hmm. instinctive players Oklahoma has in their secondary. He's one of the most football savvy players that Oklahoma has in their secondary. If you don't, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go to the 2020 Sugar Bowl. Go look at the play. Um, he made a PBU on a in zone coverage. I don't know if Oklahoma's had a corner that's made a play like that, um, football savvy wise. Shouldn't be surprised anybody. Woody Washington should be slated to be Oklahoma's starting corner, um, and shouldn't surprise anybody when that time comes in the in the fall. Pay. 
Yeah, I mean, Woody's the one I've. I, I think that's the only one we've all kind of said, yep, him and Key Lawrence. The rest of the secondary, who the hell knows? Uh, those, But those are the two I, I felt the most in touch with, like hoping it all happens, hoping it all plays out. Because any anybody after that, you still have question marks. Like I like Billy Bowman. I think he's very, very, you know, athletic, very, has a lot of chances. There's a ton of chances for him to do stuff, but it's just going to be, it's just going to make, it may keep taking him time. And maybe he just isn't quote unquote big enough or like doesn't have it down. Um, but I, I hope to believe that some of the talking points are saying like he was split in between too many different positions to really get it down. And as a freshman, I can see that, but yeah, I mean, it's Woody and it's key. And after that, man, it's those transfers and you're hoping somebody else kind of pops in pretty well or somebody else kind of steps up and plays. So it's good to hear that. I mean, it's just good to hear that, that, that Woody's uh, doing good in the spring, spring games, uh, spring uh, practices. I think you need a guy that, and this is for every football team in the history of the game. Like you, you have to have a corner that you can trust. Like if the game's on the line, third and seven, you've got to get play man coverage. Like you can't afford to give guys easy underneath stuff. You've got to play man. Like it's good to have a guy like Woody Washington. And it's good to hear that he's again, listening to the coaches um, new, he's got a new corners coach again. Um, came, I believe he came and played under Kerry cooks originally. So it's, uh, it's third position coach for him. And so hope it's good to see that he's having, he's having a good spring. The other one, Jordan Kelly, very interesting. Um, this is the exact quote from Mr. Venables on Jordan Kelly. I had it pulled up and of course it refreshed. Um, but talking about how he's been one of the more, most consistent players so far in the spring, um, maybe the best offensive lineman here. I'm pulling up the quote right now, uh, but I think that's super interesting because one Peyton, where is he at in terms of along the defensive line? Like, is he playing the one technique or is he playing the three technique um, defensive tackles positions? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think we know where he's playing at between those two. Um, and then if not, what's going on with Jalen Redmond and Isaiah Coe. And I think a lot of people are excited to see what Jeffrey Johnson's going to be, you know, kind of in my head, those are the two things that come immediately to mind. Yeah. The thing that comes to mind for me first is uh Redmond. I mean, he was not mentioned. I don't believe he was not set there. And it's something to me where in my mind, Jalen Redmond needs uh, a ref. Uh, Redmond. I can't remember. Is it Jalen? Is it Jalen? Yes. Jaylen. Okay. Yeah. Jay, uh, the first name thing. I'm, Guys, we the education system down in Hugo, Oklahoma. Is just, I, I apologize. It's not um, just Hugo, Oklahoma, buddy. It's everywhere around here. That's true. Yeah, yeah. The state of Oklahoma, forty eighth. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, him not being coming back, and I know, and you know, he still kind of work his way through stuff. But to, in my mind, for OU to have the, the the season that it wants to have and the goals it needs to do, then he needs to be the top guy. But maybe somebody else can, maybe somebody else grows. And I say that because I think Redmond has the the highest ceiling of the guys we have that mm-hmm. OU has on the, on the DL. But if he, if he's not getting, if he's not getting some love and he's not getting the talk that we need him to get, then that's the thing I'm worried about. I mean, that's the only reason why I wanted to bring up Jordan Kelly thing. One, I'd love to hear it. He's been, he's been in the, the, the program for, was it four years now? He's about to be a senior or is a senior. I think he came in Pat Fields class. So he, this would be his fifth. So I mean, you want to see that. That that that's my idea of how OU is going to have to perform in the future to succeed at high levels. They're going to have to have 
a certain amount of juniors, seniors, and super seniors that stay with the program the entire time and they don't start popping off until they've completely matured. And then you have a collection of super talented guys that are gone by their, you know, redshirt sophomore year or whatever. And they need to be that combination of like, here's what Baylor does. They hold guys for a long time. They keep growing. And then you also need to do something kind of like a Georgia thing. It was like, well, they're all super talented. We throw them on the field. So it's cool to see that coming through. Um, I would just like to see more information coming out, hopefully about our quote unquote impact players. Like if you're the, you know, load up NCAA football when it comes back out you know, <laughs> in my mind, Redmond would have a star next to him. Woody sure. Washington would have a star next to him. So, I mean, you want that, you want those guys to be getting the talk. And if they're not getting the talk, then it's like, well, is the ceiling of the defensive line lower than what I thought it was entirely? Because I think between Jordan Kelly, uh, Jordan, was it Johnson? The uh, JJ, Jeffrey the transfer, Johnson. Jeffrey Johnson. I mean, I think those two are uh, big wide bodies can handle stuff. You know, we're getting some talk about Ethan Downs being relentless. I mean, it seems like it may just be a really nasty unit. But if if you're quote unquote top player, you're got the most talented potential. If he's not getting that same talk, it may be lowering the ceiling uh, overall, but that's my pure speculation in on April 10th. So, I mean, who knows how it's going to work out. This is the exact quote from Venables the other day. Jordan Kelly threw nine practices, probably the highest graded on the defensive line. Jeffrey Johnson has done a good job. Again, I just, I think, I don't know where Jordan Kelly's at. Like, I don't know if he's going to be nose. I think we have him as a nose and I can pull that up right now. I think we have, that's where we have him listed at. And that's probably where his skill set fits him best. Um, but it's certainly interesting. Um, not the guy that I would have expected. And so that makes me perk my ears up just a little bit. Yeah, we've got Jordan Kelly behind Isaiah Coe and Jeffrey Johnson. Isaiah Coe not named, Josh Ellison not named, Jalen Redmond not named. We're probably looking too much, we're probably looking more into it than we should. Um, but I would like to hear. Uh, when, you, when you talk about this Oklahoma team, like part of the equation for them to be where they're at as a rightfully so Big 12 preseason, going to be a favorite, heavy favorite, um, not as heavy as it has been uh, in recent years, but they will be a favorite and uh, outright nevertheless. Part of that equation is the defensive line not missing too much of a beat in terms of the pass game. Um, as well as the defensive line last year aided Oklahoma to having a top 20 unit rushing defense a year ago. Um, so I think there's a lot of expectations on this defensive line of what it needs to be. So I think what both you and I said is very fair um, in terms of you hope to kind of hear more as the spring goes on, the summer and the fall, Peyton, that this defensive line's progressing and they're as deep as we think they're going to be where they've got three guys at defensive tackle, they can yeah. throw out in waves, three guys at nose tackle, two guys at defensive end, two guys at the other defensive end spot. So we'll see how that all plays out. Peyton, you were not on a, a week ago uh, after Justin Harrington made his triumphant return back to Norman, Oklahoma. Um, Brent Venables, the, the quote from him was in regards to a, you know, clean slate, He's not on scholarship, basically going to have to earn it back. Uh, he didn't – Brentville didn't talk about him needing to earn it back. Um, but I do think it's it's interesting to hear what he had to say. Venables on Justin Harrington from last week. He's come to me a few times since I got the job after a lot of conversation, not only with him but teammates, made the decision to let him walk on. Um, he deserves grace. A lot of conversations were had. He's aggressive. 
physical and has a good attitude so far. Peyton, just on what I said last week, um, obviously <laughs> it's very easy to just be like, hey, can this guy play nickel, Sam? An apex player is it's really easy to just peg him there and put him there and place him there and let him be that guy. Um, but we don't know. Um, and it's certainly interesting uh, now that Justin Harrington is officially back with Oklahoma. Yeah. I mean, Harrington was always a guy who I was very excited about. I mean, coming out, coming out of the, uh, the Juco he was at, what did he come out of Bakersfield? Uh, you know, six, three, two, 14, uh, four star, uh, uh, Juco player was something I was extremely excited about, extremely excited about him at, um, and that potential at safety. I mean, just that big, that size that, Oh, you hadn't had, he had some speed to him. He looked like he could play. And then what was it? It was just his uh, ACL. Correct. I believe sir, uh, he had an injury before he got to Oklahoma. And then they were like, yeah, this is bad enough. We're just going to shut you down. I don't know if it was ACL. I think that was the report. Okay. So he has something that just totally knocks him off the track immediately. You know, he's thinking, I'm going to walk in here. I'm going to be able to play. You know, he's got coaches kind of coming at him. He's probably at Grinch saying, Hey, we need you. We're going to do these things. And then the, you know, the severity of the injury is just bigger than what they thought it was. And it kind of knocks you down. And that you can start developing a pretty toxic mindset around that if you're hurt and you're, you're kind of banged up. I mean, um, I, I've talked about it plenty of times. Uh, on my Monday post and some, some of the other posts, like I'm dealing with three uh, bulging discs in my back an L4, L5 and L5 S1. So that's the bottom three of the lumbars are pressing up against my sag nerve. And it is a bitch. I'll, I'll let you know that right now. And it totally impacts. It, it impacts everything you think about how you react to things, how you, you know, put this stuff together. Uh, and I can only imagine being an uh, extremely talented athlete someone who's able to take you know a scholarship at the university of oklahoma and just get shut down that way and then as you see under grinch where people are just getting moved around out of what seems like unnatural positions because i believe they tried him at corner maybe uh, i can't quite remember yeah and the story was that he wanted to be a corner and basically was very stubborn about not playing safety so that okay. was that well, from my understanding, he's going to be playing, you know, he's, he's taking reps at safety now. <laughs> so maybe maybe the light has been kind of given to him. It's like, hey, you just don't have that speed to take care I of I wouldn't it. tell Brent Venables what I'm going to be doing either. He, he can tell me. Yep. So, so you're an Uber athlete. You've got all the size and metrics. You've had a lot of people recruiting, you know, that JUCO. Then you get hurt, and then you, you're not able to play the position you want to play. And you could kind of all just kind of start twisting in your head. And you're thinking, because, again, a lot of these kids are thinking, this is my ticket. This is my ticket out of poverty. This is a ticket to help my family. And they're, and these people aren't you know, giving me the shot I deserve. It's the same stuff for, uh, on a much different level. So this is a, 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 an example that how it turned out differently. Look at Buki. He got put in a position that people thought he couldn't play. Everyone was screaming up and down how he should be a corner, which was always a mistake. He should never have been a corner. Uh, he was just put in a hard position to play that nickel spot and just didn't work out for him. He goes to Washington plays the same kind of little nickel-y spot, performs really well. They have a, a great secondary. They end up going four and eight, but you know he ends up playing well, but he took his time. He stayed the course. He you know did what the coaches asked him to do, uh, and even he was humbled. I mean, coming in as a five-star recruit to basically being a laughingstock on, on the defense to for a lot of fans, but he took it. He, he uh, you know ate shit, basically, and learned how to get past it. Uh, Harrington, early on, took it a much different way. And you can tell Grinch and Riley were just done with him. 
but Brent coming on and it's the idea that Brent has talked about in the past and seen some of his players, just this idea of just forgiveness, you know, saying like, Hey, that wasn't with me. I understand what has happened and we're going to try this. You know, every, everyone does, people deserve chances. People deserve to have an ability to, to chase a dream that they want to chase, uh, especially if they have the ability to kind of uh, pull that out. Um, so I think it's, a, I think it's very big of, Brent to allow him back on the team, especially if there had been some issues and stuff in the past. And I think it's very big of, of Harrington to come on back as a walk-on. I mean, he went to the transfer portal, did not get interest, and now he's back and he lost his scholarship. I mean, that 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 that's 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 a humbling experience where I hope he sees this truly as just a chance to prove that he can do this and uh and doesn't just fall apart and come down on himself. But I mean, that's the kind of stuff that you need to see in these in sports. I mean, this has a chance to be a really cool opportunity and a really cool idea of seeing somebody bet on themselves again, ask for forgiveness and then move on and then help a team succeed the goals they want to succeed. And that's, I know you guys talked about last week, but I wanted to really kind of hammer home on just how Brent is. And it seems like he is all in on, you know, making sure he's 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 recruiting these players in their hearts and recruiting these players, you know, in 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 the correct mindset, which is which is truly impressing me as a as a human being that Brent Venables is. It's truly impressing me. I mean, it makes me want to makes me want to you know get on a phone call and just talk to him every other day and <laughs> say, hey man, I've had a bad day, Brent. Help me out here. You know, um, it it seems like that and that type of stuff can have big dividends to 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 a program like Oklahoma, which may have been somewhat adrift of just being purely about what can you do on the field in the last four or five years. For sure. Now, Justin Harrington, I believe this will be his fifth season, but if he got hurt, he could have a sixth. And if you have a guy that is that athletic, maybe you can get him to stick around. Um, Peyton, as we saw with Oklahoma State a year ago, it's not bad to have 24-year-olds playing on your defense. Um, BYU does it every single year. And there's a reason why BYU continues to be successful. No, I'm kidding. It's not just the fact that they have old, old people playing for them, but that could also be part of it. That's all I have written down, unless you want to dive into some recruiting stuff. So I was given, I was given the ring. I was given the green light uh, as, as uh, John legend would say uh, to talk about this. Uh, so there has been some, and and Keegan may want to like parachute out of this. There is so Oklahoma has a uh, quarterback uh, committed to this 2023 uh, class, four star uh, out of uh, was that Denton Ryan? No, he's out of Denton Geyer. Denton Geyer, okay, Denton Geyer. And there may be some um, sniffles and whispers and tire kicking uh, from a school down in the uh, Houston area. <laughs> Uh, who may be trying to try to talk to him and trying to see what's going on. Um, and I, I, I wouldn't put a bunch of stock into it, but the thing I really want to talk about is that now we're seeing Levy really kind of play up uh, Jaden um, Rashada. I believe that's how his name, the number five quarterback in the, uh, in the nation, number 29 national recruit, according to 24 seven, a lot more Twitter activity happening. Stacey Gage also uh, pretty high on OU's list for running backs, also engaging with him a lot, you know, just a bunch of some other uh, OU recruits kind of engaging with him. Uh, I believe Jaden visited Oklahoma. Please correct me if I'm wrong. I don't believe he is visited now. Okay. I don't, yeah, I don't think so either. Uh, there is talks that Peter uh, Peter Thune is I saying Tune 
Parker Thune. Parker, Parker, yeah, uh, had talked to uh, that Jaden had told him he wanted to commit to OU at a certain point in time, but uh, Jackson Arnold had a uh, uh, beat him to the punch. So I don't know how much it is. I'm trying to be as vague about it, like saying on the dot, uh, but there may be something there. I mean, you've you've got Brent Venables who says we will never recruit over you. We will never, we will never have a wandering eye. We will never talk to somebody on the side if you're recruited and you're committed to the university. But now you've got Jeff Lebby liking tweets. You've got some retweets happening. You've got the other recruits talking to him. Uh, it it kind of I don't know. It, it, to me, it's like there's a just a slight friction that might start making smoke. So, so I'm not even saying there's smoke. Sure, yeah, yet. and, and but once you the, see like, him say that, like I, I think it's important to like we're we're talking about Texas A&M for one. I'm cool. I think it's fine sharing. Um, I don't, I don't mind too much about that. Uh, and the second part, I do think this is a fallout of not letting kids, if it, if that is something that is true, I think more than anything paid, it's probably a fallout of just not letting kids visit while they're committed yeah. um, more than anything. And, and I'll say this too, like, <laughs> You can see we could say all this and say what we want, and they can do Brent Venables. They can they can put out to the public. You know we're not going to recruit over you. Blah 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 blah. Dylan Gabriel. Oh yeah, was literally going to go to class. Caleb Williams hadn't announced he was in the portal yet, and somehow Dylan Gabriel made the right judgment not to go to class so he could attend the University of Oklahoma. What a predicament that was. Yep. It's and college. Then you got, then you got Dylan Gabriel, who's being handed the keys, and all of a sudden, a week later, Jackson Dart, let's go, let's go get him. You know, it's like for sure. How? But it, that's a diff. In my mind, that's a special thing because like the roster's super thin. All of a sudden, for you got to sure. figure this stuff out. So the, the the transfer stuff, I'm okay with. But when they're saying stuff like that, where he's like, you know, you, you got Brent Vrabel's literally saying it's a marriage. You know, we are together in this relationship. Like, don't commit unless you know for sure. Because if we accept your commitment, we know for sure Oklahoma is going to stand by that. And instead, you've got your offensive coordinator kind of giving eyes at the a higher a higher rated quarterback <laughs> out of the state of California. Um, so it's just kind of good, interesting. Do what? He's pretty good, by the way. Yes, yes. Like I, I think he's, I, I, think I worded Jameis Winston out of my mouth after watching his tape. I liked his tape more than I like Malachi Nelson's. Well, good. To, there we go. So we know he could hit the deep ball. Just we'll never, ever, ever see a middle linebacker drop in the coverage. Yeah, they have to get uh, a late pick or whatever it was. <laughs> uh, yeah, get the 30 for 30 season, though. Um, it, it's, it's just kind of interesting to see. I believe Brent and the staff actions are, are are pretty much aligning with what they're saying. I don't think they're lying to us. I think the actions are there. I think they're just trying to get something built. So then like, yeah, he can't start offering juniors only unless you're a super special case, you know, he wants to see tape. Uh, but I think it is important to take note. Once you start seeing some recruit, you know, some recruiting analysts or some like coordinators or position coaches, they start looking at other people's stuff. They start kind of retweeting some other guys and took that. It's like, well, you kept saying this one thing, but now you're kind of over here doing this other thing. Is there something to this that we don't know about? You know, and when you put down those hardcore rules like that, the moment you step away from it, it's going to make me perk my ears up and say, oh man, maybe something's happening. 
uh, that, you know, that we're not all fully on board with. And it may make it easier for us to kind of break news or kind of speculate about news. Sure. Yeah, if you can say this is what we're going to do, and then like you, they just like they get off the line by like two to three degree, you can kind of start extrapolating. Man, maybe something's happening. You know, then you start kind of sending some texts out, you know, text out and tweets out, and trying to figure something out. But I mean, that that's the, the thing I'd heard uh, heard that from a uh, Red Dirt Sport who has a Patreon, Red Dirt Sports. You guys should uh, give them. Um, I think it's five bucks. Uh, um, uh, right after you go to the keyhole, uh, through the keyhole and give us $5, uh, for all of our podcast, uh, stuff and, uh, kind of insider stuff, but it's always kind of interesting, uh, in my mind. And it's going to be something that's going to be even more annoying as OU becomes a direct regional rival to A&M. Like it's no longer just kind of like shadow boxing because they're in different conferences. Like once they're in the same conference together, it's going to be, it's going to be pretty hard to keep tabs on just how much money these recruits are making and how potential far behind OU may be on the, uh, on that process of it, of the NIL stuff. Yeah, for sure. That was good. There you go. That was really, really good there. Um, for those that know, well, no, to your things and everything you're saying, I do think that this, if anything that does come from this, I don't know how much it is Oklahoma necessarily not sticking to their principles and values and things like that. Um, but I would imagine like how those, these things typically go, like the recruit reaches out to the school, Hey, I'm going to visit X, Y, and Z. No, you're not. Okay. What do I have to do to go visit those schools? I have to decommit that. I mean, that's just what it's going to be like under, you know, the way that they want to recruit, like things like that can happen. I will update a little bit of things that I, I reach out around. I said, Peyton said, I, before I, you know, may jump on a ship and get out of this conversation. Um, I did check around because this had been the first time I had heard of this. Uh, and that this isn't, we're not like on top of everything these days. And I don't act, I hope that people realize that. Like I have a job and I have other things that I do. I can't spend three hours, three days, three days of my week, Peyton, calling on Thanksgiving week, asking if Lincoln Riley is going to leave Oklahoma. I just don't have that kind of time anymore. <laughs> um, but it, it does sound like there could be something there. Like the word probably was thrown around. Like if I needed to check in on the Jackson Arnold situation um, from someone I trust. And then the other person from DFW that I trust a lot said that nothing had come his way. So I, you know, I think we're at a point where, you know, it could be interesting, but I, it wouldn't surprise me. I don't think any recruit decommitting from Oklahoma who commits early at this point wouldn't surprise me. I don't think, I don't care who it is. Um, yeah. It could be David Stone, a guy that's from literally right down the street, 2024 five star defensive lineman who's at IMG now. I wouldn't like, I would bet he, I bet he would, he would be committed by now if he could take visits elsewhere. Yeah. And I bet there's a handful or more kids that are like that. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how it all plays out. Peyton, we're about right at an hour here. Um, softball, they haven't lost a series now in 11 consecutive years. They beat Texas Tech today 21 to nothing. They Man. did to, to what they did to Texas Tech softball today, what Oklahoma State's defense did to Texas Tech's offense during the football season. Like that's how bad that score is. This is wild. I mean, it, we are watching potentially. I mean, history. I mean, has that? I mean, I guess I'm going to put this mojo on them. Has there ever been an, a call it collegiate softball team go undefeated? 
No, there has not. And they now have the best start in NCAA softball history, I believe, at 36 and now. I mean, I, I don't want to put the, the – I, I guess I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to mention it. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to mention it. I'm not going to shut up about it because, uh, you know, it's, it's a no-hitter type situation. You don't talk about it. Uh, sure. But, man, it, 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 if a team's going to do it, that seems like there could be a team that, that, that might just have a chance at it. So, I mean, it, they, they are just putting it on people – Pitching wise, hitting wise, all this stuff. I mean, it is absolutely wild uh, to see that. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. I mean, every single year, like they're making history in some form or fashion, and then the team after them breaks the team before them's record um, records. Like it's, it's as I said this about maybe three weeks ago, maybe a month ago, Peyton. Like it's very UConn women's basketball like during my younger days, like. Between in the 2000s, I didn't think anybody else besides UConn would ever win a national championship in women's basketball. Like, I just never thought that. Like, right now, like, I don't know who who's going to beat OU softball. Um, there's a lot of variance when it comes to postseason play um, and randomness and things that can happen. Like, OU getting beat by James Madison in the first mm-hmm. game, like it was a year ago. Um, but the only, the only people who will stop this OU softball team are themselves. And I guess those two voters out there think that they can stop them too, that continue. Like, I don't get mad about polls. I don't. Um, Unless you have like some power ranking that I can clearly tell has no analytical or any nuance to it. Um, It's just for clickbait. I get mad at those. Um, But this one with the softball polls or whoever has voted, I don't know, Florida state got like two votes. Like that's the most ridiculous thing. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's really weird. I don't understand that person's rift um, with Oklahoma softball, unless it was Danny Cannell, then that loser can go die in a hole for all I care. It makes more. I mean, yeah. so, so far, so, so far at this point in time, um, the softball team is 36 and 0. Uh, they are five games away from their own uh, longest streak of 41 games. Uh, and if they were to somehow get the 41, they would be six games away from the NCAA record was set by Arizona split in between two seasons, the 96 season and the 97 season. OU currently owns the third longest uh, streak 2019 and the, I'm sorry, second longest streak 2019 and the third longest streak from 2020 to 2021. And that was at 40 games uh, where they're sitting right now would put them, I think, 36 wins has them like at the sixth high longest as well. Currently uh, just in one single season. Um, I, so there's a chance. I mean, if they get past Texas, uh, which Texas softball to me, this is obviously that's a challenge right now that that's a, that's a legitimate team. It's a legitimately ranked, but if you get past Texas and it's North Texas after that, it's Iowa state, it's Kansas city. I mean, I don't know, man, if they can just get through these three games, uh, there may be a chance for some big time history stuff being made. Maybe I'm talking, we're talking way too soon about and, it. And, and I'll get to this too. Oklahoma state softball is pretty good too. They're streaky. Um, they go through ebbs and flows, but if they're oh, hot true. or if they're playing good that week, um, there will be an interesting matchup for them. Little hoops up hoops update. Alston may Alston Mason Mason, the first recruit under Porter Moser. He's in the portal. Um, no word on any other new portals. Uh, and I know you don't pay attention too much to OU men's hoops, but Mo Gibson was practicing um, with the team and Bob Persibillo, Sooner Scoop. Basically, like, he, is he the – I think he's the go-to basketball guy. 
Like, I don't have a go-to football guy. Yeah. But Bob's pretty damn close to is what you can go to, like a go-to guy on a on a beat here around here, which is like, it's like Joe Musato and the Thunder at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bob says he's making his decision and nothing will be final yet. I don't have anything on the basketball team. I thought Elijah Harkless was going to transfer. doesn't sound like that's going to happen. Um, and then outside of that, OU baseball somehow miraculously does exactly what they need to do the last two weeks, which is go two and two and don't go any worse than that. Um, each week, they're four and four the last two weeks after Matt Bird and I may have declared the Skip Johnson on the hot seat uh, two weeks ago. Um, does suck. Texas and Oklahoma State, they have a chance to win those series, Peyton. Um, they blow a 7-1 lead against Texas last week. They blow a 7-3 lead against Oklahoma State last night. They just do not have the depth on the mound that they're going to need to make a deep run um, at the end of the year. At least they don't now. Like, they got a bunch of young guys. Like, it's, it's very interesting. So, just to comment a little bit, they brought in Reggie Willits. Baseball, OE baseball people listen to this. We already know this. Um, they brought in Reggie Willits, um, a guy that I, he's from the state of Oklahoma, I, I believe. He, I know he coached uh, his son, plays at Fort Cobb Broxton, a small class A school. Um, he's from Chickasha, Oklahoma. He coached Binger Oni um, and was there for a little bit. And then he got hired by the Yankees. And he was up with the big leagues, up with the Yankees and helping them with their offensive philosophy in terms of, and with, specifically with running bases. Um, this baseball team plays a brand of baseball, Peyton, that actually long-term wise, when you talk about them going to the SEC, like if Reggie Willis is around for a minute, um, they're going to be in pretty good shape. Like they, they play off, they play aggressive offensively. They're not going to ever have the same talent that these other SEC schools do in baseball. Um, but we'll see. Um, they need resources. If we're going to have a college baseball segment, they, they need resources like they need resources. They, they need a new indoor. They need new locker rooms. They need a new baseball stadium. They are as behind. They, they are behind with their competition. Um, they are so far behind. I don't know if – like their baseball facilities are probably equal to like a Kansas baseball, maybe just a little bit better. Like it's bad. Um, so we'll see what they can do with that. But there's your, there's your OU baseball update and uh, – they finished. They got beat today. They finished two and two this week. Really hard two week stretch. They go four and four. Uh, OU baseball looking to make the postseason this year. Peyton, we got nothing else. I got nothing else to talk about. You got you got anything else? I've got one last thing to talk about, and that is Boomer. Boomer.